Hello and welcome to Let's Talk About Public Code, a podcast by the Foundation for Public Code. My name is Alba Roza. And my name is Jan Einari. We're both code-based stewards here at the Foundation for Public Code and we work with the communities for the code bases that we steward. This is the second episode uh, in our podcast where we both showcase and learn about the fantastic code-based communities that uh, we come across in our work. And throughout this series, we'll get to know the code bases and the people behind all the projects that work with public code. And we aim to release new episodes monthly. Yeah, we keep on saying public code, public code, but what is public code, right? So um, we, as the Foundation for Public Code, we define public code to be both civic code. And when we say that, we mean a policy or regulation, for instance, and also computer source code, or as you know, if you prefer calling it algorithm software, uh, whatever is most suitable, executed in a public context by humans or machines. And because it serves the public interest, it should be open, it should be legible, it should be accountable, accessible, and sustainable. Yeah, that's true. And also because every government is going through a digital transformation right now. So, But the proportion of governments in the world that are going through digital transformations compared to the number of technologists that understand these or even programmers that want to help with that makes it a tough problem. So we need to be able to work together or we'll end up in lock-in or non-adaptable software. At the Foundation for Public Code, we try to make collaboration happen at scale. Yeah, and uh, with that as our background, let's bring on our second guest in this series. Today, we'll talk to Rasmus Frey, the head of Secretariat of OS2, a government organization that focus on shared development with open source, open innovation, and transparency. Yeah, with a background in the Danish uh, Drupal community, as well as experience as CEO and CTO roles in the private sector and Scrum product owner in the public one, he is the main man in the right place. OS2, Offentlit Digitaliseringsfelleskap, is a member organization with a focus of strengthening and building digital solutions in the public sector using shared resources and open source. But don't worry, this is not a show in which we talk about people, we actually talk with them. So without further ado, let's welcome on the show Rasmus. Hello, Rasmus. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. So, how how much did I butcher the the Danish uh, OS2 pronunciation? Oh no, it it went well. It was very right. good. <laughs> so, so tell us a little bit more about OS2. What what does OS2 do? Well, we do we do a lot of things, but uh, well, you already said it uh, nicely in the introduction. But the purpose of OS2 is to uh, the spread the knowledge and the use of open source, primarily in the Danish public sector within municipalities. Uh, regions and state institutions. OS2 is, uh, is founded in the municipalities in Denmark and, and they were founded because uh, some, some bright-headed people saw a, a need for working more together when, when doing digital development. There was no need for, for reinventing the same wheel uh, every time and over and over again. So it made sense to collaborate more. And, and that is the, the main purpose of the association OS2. It's an association which is uh, completely volunteer. So even though the members pay a yearly membership fee, it's each of the projects within OS2 is volunteer if you want to uh, participate, it's volunteer if you want to finance, and it's volunteer if you want to uh, use. Yeah, and it's all built around the open source model and the four freedoms uh, that's within there. 
Melod, you're mentioning yeah. the association and, and all the people on parts that belong to this association. I'm curious to know, first of all, who belong here? Is it like people? Is it organizations? If it's people, what type of people? If it's organizations, what type of organizations? Yeah. And also, I would like to ask you, why do you believe these people or associations joined, decided to take the... Yeah. the the, the members of OS2 is all uh, it's all public entities, so it's organizations. Um, mm -hmm. And as I said, it's it's primarily municipalities, but we are trying to broaden that to 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 cover state and region uh, as well. And in Denmark, there's 98 municipalities, and of them, 67 is uh, a member. So that's roughly 70 percent of the Danish municipalities. Um, and of course, it's it's driven by different. Uh, purposes why they are a member uh, it, it's it's uh, primarily the it departments that are in, engaged in in os2 and that are the active parts of os2 and then it's of course difference from organization to organization how much they participate i do think though that all of our members can um, can agree that the purpose that the main purpose of os2 is uh, is something that we want to happen we want to use more open source we want to share more both because it can be more efficient and we can create better results, but also because we can save money, which mm -hmm. is a huge factor in this. Um, so, yeah. so some of the incentives is, of course, that uh, you want to have the benefits of open source. Uh, you want to use those strategically. So that's maybe one one uh, incentive to, to become a member. Others is because uh, maybe they started using some of the products that was developed. Uh, and, and then they think, okay, we should also support the association and the, and the foundation that is beneath these products. And some maybe just because they think, okay, this is the right path to go down, but we are, we're not ready yet, but at least we can support the organization that wants to drive us in this direction. Yeah. All right. So um, you talked a little, little bit about the benefits there, and you said, and some also joined because they, they were already benefiting, but how do you think... <laughs> Or rather, like for the people using the software, how does the benefits actually materialize? In in a lot of ways. For some, it's it's uh, it's just the economic sense. You can get a cheaper solution that does the same thing as the alternative, or maybe does it better. One can always argue that. But of course, we want it to be more than just the the finances in in a project. We want it to be that you are an active part of the development process, that you uh, you actually have a say what business needs should be fulfilled and which business needs should be not fulfilled. You you are part of prioritizing the backlog when doing the development. So you have a yeah, you have a bigger say in in the direction of the product. And being part of that will also strengthen your own competences. You'll learn new stuff that can make your own organization stronger in the future. Uh, and towards the next open source project, um, mm. because that is, that is a that, that is actually one of the hardest parts is that we have always been used to okay we have a need so we go and buy an off the shelf product from a private vendor, and that can be fine sometimes, but it also means that we don't we don't necessarily uh, learn anything about how the problem was actually solved, or if it was solved in a in the right way, or could we have done it better. Or was there another organization that we maybe could have learned something from? So that's a, that's a big part of being active in an open source project, is that you learn something from other people doing the same thing. Yeah, and you have influence. 
you it makes sense. Have, uh, you actually have background, right? Uh, context with working, for instance, with a Drupal community. Uh, yeah, and that, you could say that's also part of why um, why I think it's um, it's it's uh, attractive to work with OS two. It's uh, because I have a, I've had my own business and um, I've been uh, an active part of the Drupal community. Not so much coding, but doing all kinds of other things, mm -hmm. which is also important. Yeah. Um, so, so all my professional life, nearly, I've I've actually made money off open source projects. Um, and and I've and I've, <laughs> and I've seen and I've seen what uh, and, and I've seen that it makes sense and I experienced all the benefits that you get from having a strong open source community. So sure. so that's also why I ended up where I am because um, I've also worked with the public sector but as a as a vendor. So I've been on the other side of the table. And it often frustrated me that it should be so hard to, first of all, sell them an open source product, but secondly, also getting them to actually cooperate on the code base. So, so back when that's about five years ago, when I saw the job opening with OS2, uh, I just thought that this is a perfect match because uh, there is a greater purpose here and I can utilize my experience uh, of, of driving movement forward. And because that's, that's how I see it. We, we are, we are trying to uh, to change something here. There's a lot of culture that needs to be uh, massaged, so so that are more open to open source and and more open to collaborating about code bases uh, and and collaborating about solutions. So, how does a yeah. typical day in your work look like? If there is in a typical day, <laughs> how do you massage the municipalities? Well, there is a typical day, of course, there is, but um, but. That's a question that's always hard to answer. I think, especially when, when because my job is uh, is uh, setting things in motion uh, and it's um, it's keeping a lot of uh, things in in the air at the same time. But a large amount of my time is uh, is talking to people, talking to and with, because I should also remember to listen. Because uh, what uh, me and my colleagues are are doing is uh, we need to communicate a lot about open source and about the purpose of the association. We need to make sure that it's understood so people will want to become part of it. But we also need to make sure that all the products and projects that are within OS2, that they they thrive uh, and they get the support that they need so, so they can develop better products uh, at a higher standard. So a lot of the day is, is actually supporting what you could call the, the sub-communities within OS2. It's making sure that uh, the strategy that the board decides, because uh, I'm actually employed by a board, which is uh, members, uh, yeah, it's manned by members of OS2. And, and they, of course, discuss like long-term strategies that, that we need to uh, make sure it happens. And that, that could be, maybe it's on the political level, maybe it's on the management level, or it could be all the way down to the IT architects and the project managers within the organizations that we need to make sure they have the tools they need. Of course, also the finance and the legal uh, departments in, in the organizations, they we need to have them say yes instead of no. Yeah, so it's it's a lot of things, uh, a lot of it talking and writing. I'm very curious to know, uh, actually, the first time I heard uh, about you guys, about OS2, and uh, all the municipalities you work with, which is pretty impressive, 
I have to admit, uh, I was very, very like the first question that popped into my mind was, how do you manage, you know, when you have to implement one of your solutions in very small municipalities? Because yeah, maybe the first thing that comes to my mind when I think of Denmark is uh, Copenhagen, you know, a very, let's say, very modern, very advanced city. But of course, there are also villages that maybe, I don't know, maybe you don't have that many people living in that village. Not in every village, there's a software yeah. developer that knows how to implement the solution, right? So I'm curious to know, uh, what are the challenges uh, when you try to implement code bases in small, very, very small municipalities? Yeah. Uh, there's lots of challenges, but I don't think that they are primarily present in small municipalities. It's they are also present in the larger ones in Copenhagen, <laughs> for instance. It's just different things. Um, yeah. But again, just to uh, rewind a bit, because uh, OS2 is, um, well, we always start bottom up. Of, of course, uh, sometimes it would be nice that some someone made a political decision and said, you need to do like this. But, but nearly everything that happens in OS2 is bottom up. So there's been a lot of projects where there's just been two or three organizations part of them. And, and we've learned a lot from that. So we've done a lot of mistakes and we try to learn from those so we can do it better the next time. And of course, one of the things is um, that we've learned the way to get more municipalities using a product is we need to make it easy. It, it has to be very, very easy to, to say, yes, I want this. How can I get help? And then point and click. Yeah. Uh, so, 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 so that's, that's what we try. And we do that cooperating with private vendors because none of these municipalities implement anything themselves or they don't develop anything themselves. It's all private vendors. And in the end, it comes down to how we organize uh, around a product, how we create the community around the product. Mm -hmm. We need to make sure that the municipalities take active part because being an active part of the project makes it easier for yourself implementing, but also for the next one that wants to implement. And it doesn't really have anything to put size to do because in Denmark, you could have a very, very small municipality, but they have a very strong IT department uh, that maybe even could implement this themselves if they wanted. And then you can have a large uh, municipality that nearly don't have an IT department. They just have IT support, for instance. Yeah. So, so it comes down to how you've actually decided that your organization should be. And that, that, that varies uh, and it doesn't, it doesn't come down to size. If we look at it historically, you know, in, in OS2, there's actually a lot of projects that's been driven by the smaller municipalities because they've been, they've been quicker at, at seeing the need to collaborate with their peers. And that's maybe something to do with size because you, 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 you realize that, okay, I'm not big enough to do this myself, but if I, if, if I cooperate with, uh, with like-minded, then, uh, then we can create something better. Uh, and we have more money to do it. So, so I, I would say the challenges is um, is getting getting an organization around, built around a product, having people being an active part of it. Uh, so, so it's not just the vendor, but we need the vendor as well. And and that's where we 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 also need to um, to be competent enough to set the right demands to the vendor, so we get a proper quality. And, and that's definitely one of the hard parts because we don't always have those competences. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's not often that we, uh, well, well, it's hard to quality approve um, the code and documentation of code when you're not a coder yourself. Yeah, but we, we learn and we, we try to do our best in, in uh, lowering the barriers to get started. 
And then the stronger municipalities help the, the not so strong municipalities. So that's also part of it. And when you say bottom up, I suspect there's like you know, one municipality or a few that has a need for something. And, and how do you go from there to forming this collaboration? I guess that is the very important first step. Definitely. And you could say if, if well, if, if you ask nearly any employee in a Danish municipality, they would say that they're different from the other municipalities. And yes, they are different, but it's still the same service that we all need to provide. It's, it's the same law and, and the same service package that we need to provide to the citizens. So therefore, we also often have the same business needs. So if one municipality has a need, there's a maybe there's a gap between some IT systems or there's a completely new task or, or new process that needs to be covered. And it can be done by developing some digital tool. Then what they, they do is they use OS2, first off, they use OS2 to find other municipalities or other organizations that has discovered the same need uh, or, or maybe are close to realizing that they have the same need. And then the next step is forming a, a small group that together can like describe the project. What 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 is it that we're trying to achieve and why are we doing it? And what is the business case in this and all that? And the next step is that we uh, we use all that material to get as many uh, active uh, municipalities on board and and it's again based on the on the on the idea that in the end if we create a solution it it's it should somehow be something all 98 could use it's not always the case but but at least sometimes so so if we can get many on board to begin with if we can sell the idea to as many as possible to begin with then we have a better foundation to work upon we can get a, a well. We, we can get more for less money, you could say, and we can have more active parts in the working groups that are going to realize the pro yeah, to make the project happen. And it's, it will also be easier to attract private vendors because there will be more business if there's more municipalities. So, so, so that is it's 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 just basics: selling the idea, uh, creating the project, and then funding it. You can you could say the the, the funding part is always. Because when we ask for money, we ask for the project sum, and the more you are, the cheaper it gets for each individual. Yeah. Um, uh, Rasmus, another another question would be uh, at least for me: What would be your your best piece of advice uh, when governing code bases uh, that are sustained by different municipalities, or in which different municipalities are, are working together? Because one of the, for instance, in the Foundation for Public Code, one of the recurrent uh, issues that we are seeing is that uh, sometimes, for instance, when uh, the prioritization comes up, everyone kind of has its own agenda, right? So that's something very, that we see from the inside that's very difficult to coordinate uh, without some context, some background or some conversations going on. So I'm curious to know, uh, I don't know, what are your tips and tricks for governing code bases within municipalities? Well, you could say, first off, uh, you, you could uh, start with a project where the business need is 99% the same. Mm -hmm. Because then it's very, very easy to prioritize what should happen and what should not happen. And, well, I, I think probably half or a little bit more than half of the OS2 projects is, is infrastructure. It's uh, software where it's well it's the same need so you pretty much can't argue if you should prioritize this over this then it comes down to integrations to other it systems 
but a, a key thing here is that um, and and that's something we've learned over the years that that it it it, it can't come down to a single municipality you you have to have organization about, around it so you so you need multiple municipalities represented in 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 some kind of steering committee or working group um, in some of the projects we have multiple of those and and there needs to be they need to be represented with people from different organizations with slightly different needs and and in denmark that often comes down to what other it systems do you use do you use uh, this big vendor or this big vendor or this big vendor uh, mm-hmm. so we need them all represented yeah uh, because that way they also get a discussion about okay we have this business need how do we solve it uh, okay i want to solve it like this i want to solve it like this so that that's very important and then you need to make sure that they have some kind of formal uh, agreement that they've actually all signed saying that okay we do collaborate about this and we actually also put some money into this that's one of the things we've experienced is that in in the old days when something needed to happen in OS2 then someone sent an email uh, oh we need to do this it costs so much is uh, anyone willing to pay so like having the hat go around and it works to some extent but uh, we've we've now found out we need to have a yearly budget the project needs to have a fixed amount of money that it can spend each year because that way the working group or the steering committee also have some money that they can use to prioritize on behalf of the rest and and that's that's very important and then there needs to be a a, a good collaboration with a vendor that can help because we can't do these things ourselves so we need someone that we can pay to help um, and and they need to be um, be able to help on 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 many different levels development uh, security support hosting all that and and that's what we can see in the, in the projects in OS2 the bigger projects where it works and where it's easy to get it implemented and everything that's where we have a solid organization and that's where we have a mutual agreement about the financing and the mutual agreement around how we collaborate and where we have one or more vendors uh, tightly uh, connected to this organization and places where we don't have this nothing happens all right, that almost brings us into a question here we got from the audience from from James here. What projects haven't worked well? What went wrong with them, and what was the key takeaway? And we you, you don't necessarily need to shame anyone, but you rather like <laughs> uh, what kind of uh, yeah. things didn't work? Well, you, I, I could, for instance, take the project that uh, actually was the project that founded OS two. Because OS2 started as a collaboration around a website, a Drupal website, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so it, it was the idea of creating a shared platform that all municipalities could use at, as their website. Well, all 98 municipalities has a website. They pretty much write the same stuff on them and use the same functionality and et cetera. So it was a good idea. But it was also 98 organizations that had to work together and no one had tried it before. Uh, th- there was the, a, a website was created and, and it was actually put to use in a little more than 20 municipalities, uh, but it was done, done by different vendors uh, and it was done by different departments uh, in the municipalities. Some places it was the communication department, uh, other places it was the IT department, For some other places it was maybe the mayor's department or what you should call it. and. That meant no one ever got to collaborate on it. 
they just got a cheaper website. And then all of a sudden we had a code base that was forked out into uh, 20 different versions. And we had a fun, we had, we, of course, one thing got out of it and that was OS2. So, so kind of the idea about collaborating about a code base and, and, and all that was set in motion and the association OS2 was formed, but the project is dead. Then other projects came along and we kind of did some of the same mistakes again, but some of them we also fixed. And then eventually five or six projects down the line, it was decided to, okay, we need to become more professional because back then there was no one employed in OS2. All the time that was spent was volunteer and, and was just based on the idea that, okay, if we kind of sit down and agree on this, then we can make something happen. So, so a process was set in motion to, to, uh, to become more professional. And, and that's where an external consultant and, and a working group uh, formed, okay, how should OS2 be organized in the future? And I got employed and all kinds of great things happened. <laughs> um, so so I, I would say, and now back to the question, actually, should I try and answer it? The projects that work well, that's where we, where we get uh, multiple municipalities organized to begin with. That, that's where it works very well. If, if people sit around the table and agree, okay, this is the direction, this is the budget, this is the vendor, and this is what we're trying to achieve. That's where it's uh, easy. It, it, it gets hard if, because uh, sometimes it also, in OS2, we also have projects where a, maybe as a, a single municipality have developed something and it's a great solution, but it's developed to them. And then they donated to OS2 uh, with the idea of sharing it with everyone else. What often happens there is that not many others uh, will actually start using it because it's uh, it's too big a task to uh, to start using something that's developed to someone else. You yeah, I hope that answered it. <laughs> I think it did. Yeah. You've mentioned before, of course, for OS2, it's very important the trust relationship with vendors, of course. I've been uh, finding out, I've been investigating a bit. And uh, of course, uh, I've seen that um, you work with three standard business models, right? When you're commissioning a, a, a new code base. Yeah. How did you arrive to, to those, at those? Uh, is there uh, a limit of one vendor per business model or is that your minimum or? It depends. But what when you say standard business models, do you mean our uh, level one, level two, and level three in our governance yes. model? Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah. Yeah, I, I wouldn't call those a business. In our perspective, it's not a business model. Uh, it, it's it's a way of uh, telling the surroundings surroundings uh, the outside world that okay, this OS two product is level one meaning it's not that good quality. Okay. Uh, okay, this OS2 product is uh, level three, uh, meaning we've actually been uh, been careful and made sure that it's well documented. Uh, it's uh, the, the, the code base has been quality assured and there's uh, there's an organization around it and and, and all those things. So, so, so that's what is an ex expression of. Mm -hmm. It's the, the three standards is an expression of the quality of the project. And okay. the reason they're there is because sometimes you just have an idea that you want to to see, okay, is this idea good? Can we do something? 
And we don't want to have too many uh, rules uh, that you need to comply with if you just want to start something and get a quick result. So, so that's where the the first level is is suitable because uh, you you can uh, gather a group of organizations fairly quickly, have someone solve a problem for you, and then you can share it. And maybe it was a good idea and a good solution, and then you can start building on top of it and making it better, and and aiming at the next next level. And do you usually match uh, these? I called it business model. My bad. Uh, these layers or these um, category, ca yeah, categories. I don't know. Uh, do you usually uh, associate this to a vendor? Like I don't know, a vendor can have. We can associate this type of uh, number ones to 10 vendors or how does it work? No, because we, we, we consider each, uh, each uh, code base or is, is, is a project or a product by itself. Uh -huh. so, so it has nothing to do with the business model or the layers. So, uh, so we, what we try to do is that we say, okay, we have a, we have a code base. We, are, we need at least one vendor that can help us with this code base. This is also where it gets hard because uh, in the best world, we would have multiple vendors that could help us on a code base. But what often is the case is that you you have a project and then you choose a vendor that will do the initial development and deliver the code base and the documentation. And then often that same vendor will also get the contract of servicing and developing further and hosting and all that because they have the knowledge about the code base. And, and that's what we also try, that's the aim with these uh, quality standards is also that, okay, when we pay someone to do something, if it's uh, of critical, uh, yeah, if it's a critical component in our infrastructure, then we need to make sure that the quality is good enough so we can hand it over to another vendor. Yeah. When, when we have a collaboration in OS2, it's, it's, not, def, it's not necessarily a, an aim to have more vendors always. The aim is to have a good vendor, a good relationship with the vendor, and the right price. And the ability, if things go wrong, then you need to be able to take your code base and everything over to another vendor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There, there's a, f a few of the projects where, where we've... Um, and, it, and it's also something that we're starting to uh, to learn. How can we get multiple vendors contributing to the same code base, looking over each other's shoulders, uh, quality approving other people's work and, and stuff like that. But it, but it's not something that we've done very much, and it's not and it's not necessarily been an aim. It's it's just been well. In the end, it comes down to do we get what we need for the right amount of money? Yeah. So one would think when you've been around for so long and doing open source procurement that there should pop up alert developers or vendors that like, hey, there's a need for an open source thing here. Since it's open source, we can get in on it. You would have a lot of vendors coming to you, but you say that's not really the case. Well, we have um, nearly 70 vendors that have all signed the, that there is a, a well, I, I wouldn't call it a contract, but there is a, an agreement that we make vendors sign. And basically, it just says that, okay, I'm willing to work within the code of conduct that you define, and I'm willing to hand over my work uh, that, that you paid for. Uh, so, so it's kind of like a, a, um, a what, what do you call it, a letter of intent that if, if you ask me to work 
in the open source way, then I will do it. And 70, there's 70 vendors that have signed this, this document. And, but of course, there's probably only 10 or 15 of them that actually do it because usually we will, um, we will, we will publish the, uh, we will put up a public tender for a project. So, so anyone can actually bid on it, but it's seldom that, that uh, it's more than the same 10 vendors uh, that do it. And we don't know why, I think, because because if, if you are a company, which business is selling your, your hours, selling your developers time, then the, then there is a business model here. Then then there is a match between O2 and, and your business. Yeah, we, 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 we all the time uh, try to, uh, to listen to the vendors and talk to them about, okay, how do you see that you can get more business out of this open source model and what what how can we help you and how can you help us that that's a that's a focus of ours um, that is continuing it's 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 hard and um, i think we're probably still there where where it's the smaller vendors that are active in this whereas the bigger and bigger you come you you get then maybe there's not enough money in projects like this so it's easier to uh, to take big tenders with, with multiple digits on. I don't know, but um, I, I think we'll get there eventually. Rasmus, I, I would like to ask you about this uh, legal note that you published in June. And when I say you, I mean OS2, not, not you, Rasmus. Uh, I'm not yeah. pointing to you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, this legal note on open source in Denmark. Uh, could you please tell us, elaborate what this is about? Like what problem were you trying to address to to solve with, with this legal note well it, it of course has to it has all to do with uh, with public procurement and how the public sector buys software and well and other items for that matter but our focus is software mm -hmm. um and there's some uh, well-defined uh, european rules that if it's above a certain level over four years and etc etc so then you need to do a uh, yeah, EU tender, and I don't know. I, I think those rules are interpreted uh, differently from country to country within the European Union. But in Denmark, we we tend to uh, look at those things that are written down in uh, in paragraphs uh, very uh, strict. So, what what we've experienced over and over again is that uh, members of OS2 have come to us uh, and not being able to understand. Okay, when I when I ask my legal department or when I ask my procurement department, I want to buy something open source or I want to write in my tender that the solution should be developed open source. Then they say, no, uh, you're not allowed to do that. That's not legal. That's been kind of a standard answer that's been given. Um, and also the same if, if a municipality or another public entity have uh, developed something, they own it themselves. And, and they want to give it away. They want to put it out on an open source license. And then they've gotten a no when they've asked their legal department. Uh, they have, they've told them, you're not allowed to do that. That's not legal. Uh, so that's the whole reason why we've uh, asked a, a lawyer. And, 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 and it also needed to be a, a lawyer that had a certain kind of reputation. So, so we asked him to, um, to write a note saying that this is actually legal. Of course, he could only write it if it is actually legal, but it is. <laughs> um, so, so because we kind of knew, okay, it's not right that they get no all the time. 
so we, we paid an awful lot of money to get this uh, note written so you can present it to your legal department or your procurement department and say, no, I won't take no for an answer because it says here that I'm allowed to do it. So you need to look further into it. So hopefully when a person working with, uh, with legal uh, lawmaking and stuff like that, read this note, they will say, ah, okay, there's something I don't know here. I need to look into this and, and learn more and maybe be open-minded and say, yes, you can actually put the word open source in your tender. Or yes, you are allowed to uh, share that great product that you made. Um, have you seen any results from that yet? Yes, I, I, yes, I have. Because uh, it, it's, been, um, it's actually been brought up to uh, higher um, organizations and, and presented to, to people that have stars on their shoulders. Uh, and, and hopefully it will lead to uh, some changes in how uh, procurement and, and stuff like that is done within the public sector. And it will be more normal to, uh, to look for open source alternatives than it has been in, uh, historically. So, so it's, 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 it's definitely, uh, well, but, well, it is a legal document. And so, so we take it out whenever needed. All right. And we have, a, 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 I guess, two questions about language, perhaps, if you will. I'm from Sweden, and my perception is that most people in Denmark are very fluent in English. And yeah. has it been important to you to keep documentation in Danish versus English or, like, or for your work with the, the, the civil servants? compared to like, because there's a tension, if you do keep it in Danish, of course, not many outside of Denmark will be able to read it. Well, first of all, I, I think that, uh, well, you're right. Most Danish people uh, understand and speak English very well. Uh, but of course, we're always more comfortable in our native tongue. But uh, yeah, but I don't think it's anything that, I actually don't think anyone ever thought about it. We just kept doing like we used to do and of course we've been talking about this a lot recently in the recent years uh, also because there's become more international attention and it's also been brought up from some of the vendors that oh it would be nice if we could take some of these projects to other countries so we have more focus on okay how do we actually make sure that the code base and the documentation around the code base is written in english because it, it makes sense to do it but we also need to um, to uh, well, well, we we can't just start doing anything and everything in English. I don't think that will happen because there is still the, the culture within the organizations and the culture around how we do things in Denmark. And we are a very very small country, so I, I think we like to to talk Danish when we can. We like to read Danish when we can because we are comfortable doing so. So so when it comes to actually using a piece of software in your organization or implementing it and so all the higher level stuff we will keep doing that in danish and and then i think the 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 strategy would be okay if we need to then it must be translated and th that's also the reason why when, when i look at the, the the code standard in 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 your foundation well we, we probably need to translate that into danish because that's the way we can uh, put it in motion that's the way we can implement it in the day to daily work yeah we haven't thought about it we've just done things in danish because that's what we do and to begin with our only focus has been to uh, to get this working inside our own borders but we will try but definitely when writing code and writing documentation around code 
we will do we are already doing it now and we will do it in the future it will be a demand to the vendors that that should be done in english and then the rest we can do that in danish yeah it's a it's still a long way until all the organizations have uh, english as their primary language uh, at least when you talk about a municipality <laughs> i think that was actually the second question that you were talking about yeah the internet get, getting bigger getting out of the borders getting out of denmark so I'm going to go for to the, the following one then. One of the first things that uh, cuts your eye when you're uh, browsing OS2 pages of all of your code bases is, of course, the template, the product template you're using. Like It's pretty eye-catching and uh, pretty also stable for all your, like, it's basically the same for all of your different code bases. And it's also pretty shocking but in a positive way that you also have your budget there. It's uh, also a nice and I would say transparent thing to do. And uh, But I'm curious to know if you're working on new websites, like if you're thinking on, you know, maybe refining that process uh, or, or not. And if so, when is this going to happen? I wouldn't say that we're working on an entirely new website, but we are working on it. Uh, and we are working on standardizing the things even further. So we've recently just had a... Um, a survey among our members regarding the website, asking them if they can find what they need and what the most important aspects are and all that. And that we are using to redesign some parts of the website, the product pages, for instance. And and we will be implementing that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know when it's ready, but at the end of the year, maybe beginning of next year, we will have it implemented, the changes. Because this is also something that we, we have a big focus on is that when you visit a product page on OS2, you need to know where you find certain information. And it should be the same across all products. And it should be transparent and, and easy to find. And it's, it needs to be easy to see how do I get help? What is the purpose of this? Who is uh, active in the organization around the product? And all these things. And what does it mean that something is level two and something is level one? And, mm -hmm. And that's that's the most important things. And then secondary, you need to be able to find the code base and documentation and and all that. That that's actually not that important to people, but but it needs to be. You need to be able to find it, of course, and it needs to be in the same place every time. And it also needs to be easy to maintain because we are not that many people maintaining these things. And and when you look at our product pages and 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 you are me and, and my colleagues a lot, of, then you also see okay, this product page hasn't been updated in two years. Maybe we should. <laughs> so so yes, we are we are we are doing it, and we have uh, also asked our users what they need and what they don't need. So we will be refurbishing. We met for the first time almost exactly a year ago in our offices. And you mentioned a concept that is, there's a nice word for it in the Scandinavian languages. Uh, in Swedish, it's Elskjel, and in Danish, it's Ilskjel. And I think we tried to translate it to English as a fire soul. And you said that those are important for these kind of projects. And uh, can you explain what is this kind of person, a fire soul? I can try it, but but I, I but I think it's uh, it's 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 everyone that's ever worked in an open source project know what it is for a person because they're important to to everything with where there's a small degree of uh, volunteerness in it, <laughs> and and the word fire soul was just the direct translation of the Danish word or the Swedish word for that matter, but it's those people that uh, that go out of uh, one's way, they work hard to fulfill other people's needs. 
they they commit to uh, to do work that maybe don't benefit them directly. So so they're very important in projects like this. They they see the greater purpose of doing this and uh, and and want to help extraordinarily to make it happen. Also, if it don't benefit them th- themselves directly, May, maybe they they get a pat on the shoulder or something, but uh, or a mention in a, in in some credits somewhere. But yeah, it, it's it's those kind of people, and and we need them everywhere because a, a community like OS2 or the all the sub communities that we have in the products or, or any open source project for that matter, they would wouldn't be anything if we didn't have these kind of people using their spare time thinking about how we can do this better. And um, keeping in mind this fire soul concept and these people you're mentioning. Which person would you? Uh, what person would you recommend uh, for the NetPost podcast uh, as a fire soul working yeah. in the code? Yeah, I was I was thinking about. Uh, I have two people that I thought about, and and one of them is a guy called Greg Dunlap uh, that I know from the Drupal community. He uh, well, he's an American and he's still active in the Drupal community, and he also runs a podcast where he talks about communities. So, uh-huh. so I actually think uh, I could hook you up and see if he's uh, willing to to talk about uh, open code and communities around open code. I also thought about a politician, a Danish politician right. that sits in the European Parliament, uh, Karen Melcher. Karen Melcher. <laughs> She's been very open to uh, to everything digital and to open source, um, and and. I've t- talked with her on numerous occasions, and we've had her uh, t- talking in 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 OS2 uh, events. Uh, Great, nice. So, so that's that's what I thought. I, th- I thought they could uh, bring a, probably a little bit of a different perspective on things. Great suggestions. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah, and, and thank you, Erasmus, for taking time to come on to our show. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, of course. Thanks a lot, and uh, for our viewers, of course, as well. Thanks and listeners, <laughs> thanks as well for, for being there. Uh, just a quick reminder, the audio version of, of uh, this will be out uh, tomorrow uh, evening, probably. And uh, you can subscribe to the podcast at podcast.publicode.net. Or you can subscribe to our YouTube channel if you like the video format and you will get a notification next time we're out. Yeah, in the meantime, uh, we will be back in about a month more or less uh, if you want to engage in even more interactive sessions uh, you can join us in our community calls uh, which you can sign up for uh, in the link in the footer of our website publiccode.net and that's all for today bye yeah. bye thank you